One, good. Okay, we're going to read the passage that we're going to talk about today. Well, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to have like several verses starting from verse 6. So chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 6. And I'm going to read it first. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart the secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it's written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of a man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depth of God. Now, first thing we're going to talk about is pride, secular wisdom, power, nobility, and division. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, so I want to just um, remind you the context What's happening in this church? Okay, so what's happening in this church? The problem that Paul he's fighting with in this Corinthians church is pride. That's the that's a main issue that he has to fight with. It's self-exaltation, maybe a better word would be. It's and uh, it's following division and admiration, or you can say lust for power. From chapter one, what we learn that one of the biggest problem problems in this church was the division on the basis of popularity of teachers. So those who had a nice picture with Paul Washer, we have a little chat, you know, if, if you're not infected with this disease. So I'm joking. Yeah. So let's read. They choose specific teachers to follow. And then on that popularity, they build their own self-image. For it has been reported, Paul is saying to me by people, that's a family, that there is a quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Paulus, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Now, I follow Christ would be the same. I follow Christ, therefore I'm better. So, that's the point. Now, there's pride and secular wisdom. Everyone, right, or many of them, they wanted to assign themselves to the party of some well-known teacher to present themselves as followers of the great apostles. On the other hand, just listen. On the other hand, the true motive of the heart at the same time was to show off, to present uh, oneself as more knowledgeable, um, clever, smarter than anyone else. And when you are just smarter, then what happens is everybody else has to listen to him, to you. That's a point. You have authority you have power now pride this pride this was uh, was nourished by secular wisdom so to prop my own authority teachers yes teachers are given to the church as a great blessings it's a gift of christ to the church teachers are those who through the gospel right they unite the body of christ in the local church so that we may reach the full um knowledge or the full growth of Christ, this perfect man. 
the writings, you can say the works of the um, church fathers, teachers throughout its history is the richest um, or richness, you can say, of the church heritage. The epistle um, to the Hebrews contained the following verse. It says this, remember you leaders, right? That's what it says. Remember them, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. Now, however, this is uh, this, the, a trick of uh, the sprite is that under this mask of following some teacher um, is this guy, disguised the desire to be exalted about one another. So, I know, you know, I know you still have to grow, at least to me, you know. Or, I have achieved what you still lack. Or, and, and therefore, what follows, you have to listen to me. And that, that's a point, that's what happens. And when this happens, when this happens, it's, it brings division. Now, the other problem was pride and power. Or you can say pride and lust for power. Well, that was another spiritual disease in the same church. And um, just belonging, or you say belonging to noble higher class. Well, in modern terms, you can say, look like a movie star. Look, look, I look like a superstar because I follow this teacher, better teacher. So let's read the following verses where Paul, he gives hints, right? To this, um, when he talks about believers' election. It's 126. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were not of noble birth. And again, God choose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Why did God construct election in such a way? Well, one of the reasons is, and Paul is bringing that reason, to break your pride. Right? So that no human being, it's verse 29, might boast in the presence of God. The desire to attribute at least something, you know, just at least something to salvation, at least very little, is deeply rooted in our corrupt, sinful nature. So, um, these two things, we talk, right, a, a contact, these two things, just posing, right, uh, posing as followers of great teachers, and posing as belonging to this um, better uh, more powerful layer in society, they dis it's destroyed the unity. So, did you get it? It destroyed the unity. That's what happens. Now, listen, that's a lesson. Pride does not build the unity in the church. But no one will say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my pride. We will not say it. So, exalting oneself does not build unity in the church identifying myself, oneself, as a follow, follower of a popular star, right? Popular Christian star does not build unity in a church. You have to understand this. As soon as you try to do it, what are you going to bring? You're going to bring division. Identifying oneself as member of upper layers of Christian society does not build unity in a church. Pride results in, divi result in division in church, family, and friends. And we're not just talking about church. We're talking about friendship. So why don't you have friends? Maybe because that's a reason. Why can, um, why can you find um, just a common language with anyone? Maybe that's a reason. There's a pride. You want to exalt about one, one another. So there's a practical question I want to ask you. So um, just give me three points, right? Why do we follow this or that cultural idol? Why do we follow so, 
Just think in your, in your head, right? I don't have time just to so we talk about it. Why do we imitate manner of dressing of this or that superstar? Did you notice? Like, everybody else looked like this person. Like, why? What's, what's the reason? What's, 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 what's going on in heart? Why do, why, do we, why do we imitate the manner of speaking uh, like some teacher? You look like little Paul Washer. Or you look like, why? What, what's the point? Or why do we imitate the manner of singing of this or that singer? That's especially popular. It's just look, everybody sings in the same way. Why? And the question is, like, um, do we imitate someone because it's really better? So I look at this. Well, this way is really better. That's why I do it. Or uh, do we really bring glory to Christ more if we do it? Or we can say, um, so do we present ourselves? Myself, I'm a better. I'm better than others. Show who is coolest, you know, who has authority. So that, that's an issue. And that's an issue we have. Let's face it, we have it. And the point is that you can have your own, you know, superstar zone you follow. Why do you do it? That's a question that this text asks. Why do you do it? Because if you do it because there is a pride and your pride wanna just has this hunger, this la- lust to look better, it's going to bring division. It's going to bring division in church. It's going to bring division in youth. It's going to bring division in your family, with your friendship, wherever you are. Pride does not build. See? Pride doesn't build. So pride, then Paul is saying that pride is cured by contemplation of Jesus. Surveying, you can say, looking at Jesus crucified and undeserved grace. Let's read it. Um, uh, We have this chapter 2, just the beginning of a chapter. And when I come to you, brothers, so when he comes to this church, didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So the solution to the problem, the method, right? The method by which Paul approaches this solution is the contemplating Jesus Christ crucified on the cross. Why? Because it's going to kill our pride. Paul brings the Corinthians back to the roots of to the roots, a little helper, him, to the roots of their faith, the beginning of his preaching in Corinth. I'm going to ask somebody. Abraham, with me. Good job, yeah. Well, I expected more, so she's quiet. That's good. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> So what happens, you, you, you see the problem, and Paul sees it. it just The pride that ruins life. And Paul brings them back to the cross. Why? Because the cross is going to kill this root. So Paul brings them back to, to the roots of their faith when he first started preaching at, at Corinth. What did Paul preach in Corinth? How were the Corinthians saved? How did they find peace with God? Well, it was through the wisdom, was it, was it through the wisdom of um, Socrates, the logic of Aristotle, a secular philosophy? No, the Corinthians were, came to the Father through the crucified Lord Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ crucified for their sins brought them peace with God. All worldly wisdom and belonging to whatever class of society was nothing but rubbish 
when it came to saving the soul. No science or philosophy or secular wisdom can obtain to me sanctification, um, justification, adoption, um, inheritance from God. God, um, he doesn't use those crutches, you know, of secular wisdom to save us. Paul says in verse 5, So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Remember, you were saved not by the achievement of human wisdom, but by God's, by God's wisdom given freely by the Holy Spirit. And now he brings us to the source of God's wisdom. The source of God's wisdom is the Holy Spirit. And the method is undeserving grace. So we have our verses. It's verse 6 to 16 of this chapter. Uh, they go about the origin of this divine wisdom, right? These things, verse 10, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And then again, now we have received, verse 12, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Well, great, educated, and mighty, strong people did not reach to God's wisdom. It's given by God in the person of Jesus Christ. Men, we can understand the cross only by the Holy Spirit through God's undeserving grace. So let's ask a question. What is God's wisdom? So what is it? And um, two things. So number one, it's Jesus Christ crucified on the cross. Paul, uh, in chapter 1, he already, uh, just, he literally, just a few verses about, if you, if you follow in your Bible, he already said what he means by God's wisdom. Let's read 130. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Same thing he, had, he, he says to Colossians in chapter 1. He says, The mystery hidden from four ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Number one, the wisdom of God is Jesus Christ crucified. So, when we contemplate the cross, we look at the cross, we contemplate God's wisdom in love. For God, so you know this verse, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him has eternal life. And then, in 1 John 4, He says, And this is the love of God uh, was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. When we contemplate the cross, we contemplate God's wisdom in justice and uh, just condemnation of the sin. Just listen to what he says to Roman, in Romans 8.3. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for the sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So, when we contemplate Jesus on the cross, we contemplate the mystery of God. God's plan to save men, the power of God, is Christ, is Christ, the power of God and wisdom of God. We celebrate the cross. 
When we understand we celebrate the cross, we rejoice to, th- to see the Savior on the cross. We boast in God's grace shown to us on the cross. We just run, right, to wash ourselves in the holy blood under the shadow of Calvary. We glorify Jesus who drank God's wrath on the cross, took um, our curse, our sin, nailed it to the cross. We have defeated our enemy with the blood of the almighty Lamb of God. We will just forever glorify the Lamb who was slain. Now, number two, that Paul talks to Corinthians that the wisdom of God is, mark this down, to live godly life. Or you can say, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. That's the wisdom of God. Note um, that he, sa- he uses the word mature, right? And that's a good translation, to use this word, mature. Those who, who can understand and grow in God's wisdom are called mature. Now listen. In chapter 3, Paul, he make a contrast uh, between mature Christians and infants in Christ. Let's read it. He says, But I, brothers, could not address to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Please mark this down. So mature Christians are called spiritual Christians, right, in this text. Now, their spirituality is not located i just use that word. In how many years they are believers or what level of, of knowledge they achieved. The maturity, the, you can say the spirituality of a mature Christian is if they overcame envy and strife. Did you got it? What he was saying? The maturity of a Christian is measured if you and I, we overcame strife and envy listen what he says for while there's jealousy and strife among you i'm just reading the same text are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way so scriptures it just speaks just volume plethora about god's wisdom and in sanctification and bearing uh, the fruit of the spirit one of the prominent examples is the in is found in epistles in epistle of james chapter 3 who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have, listen again, the same thing. Better jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unscriptural, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, same thing that we have in our text, there will be disorder, division, and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Well, the whole book of uh, Proverbs is just dedicated to this theme, wisdom of God. Now, lesson is, lesson is this. And it was a um, very good lesson for me too. So, and I'll just please remember this. Note it. Those who grow in wisdom, in God's wisdom, are the same people who grow in practical sanctification. Did you got it? Those 
of us who grow in God's wisdom are the same exact people who grow in sanctification. You cannot grow in God's wisdom when there's envy and strife and exaltation. It just doesn't happen. That's what Paul is saying. Why is, it, um, why is that, we, that we do not grow in understanding of the cross? Did you ask yourself that question? Why is it? Why is it that I'm just stuck? I, I, I'm just like at the stage of my life where it looks like I don't grow. Well, because we do not remove sin from our heart. We do not put godliness into practice. And then when it happens, then we just stuck in spiritual growth. Because those people who grow in wisdom, and wisdom is Christ. So growing in understanding Christ are the same people who grow in practical sanctification. The wisdom of God is wisdom uh, that the rulers of this world do not see. That's what Paul is saying next in uh, verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or, or the rule of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. And then, same thing, verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, if they had understood Christ, the wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, when these rulers... They look at the cross. They look at Jesus. What do they see? Well, they see a man nailed to the cross. It's a fact. They see the facts. But they do not see the meaning of what just happened. They are blind. And it's impossible to explain what is sun to a blind person. And it's impossible to explain what, is, what are colors to a blind person. The rulers of this age, they just can't unravel the mysteries of the cross. The meaning of the cross is just unreachable for the wisdom of this age. For the the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. This crucifixion, it just, Paul is bringing this argument. It testifies that the rulers of this age, they just did not comprehend Christ. In verse 8, Paul argues why the rulers of this age did not perceive God's wisdom. He says, none of them, none of the rulers of this age understood this. They did not understand the meaning of the cross. These rulers that Paul speaks about are just secular rulers of the day who condemned Christ. Uh, you can say spiritual leadership of Israel, Roman uh, Pilate, uh, King Herod, and the crowd. If the rulers of this age had those spiritual eyes open to God's wisdom, to what just happened, that they just obtained salvation and justification, they can, be, they can come to God the Father through the cross, they would not have crucified Christ. Why? Because if I see the Lord of glory, I love Him. I worship him, um, but I don't crucify him. It's only utterly blind person who would do this greatest sin. Christ, he stands be, uh, before Pilate. And Pilate, he asks him, so, well, what is truth? Pilate, this embodied truth is just right before you. You look in its eyes, but you don't see. You do not know the Lord of glory. 
Caiaphas, the spiritual leader of Israel. He didn't know the Lord of glory. They tried to kill the teacher. They were jealous. In their eyes, Christ was deceiver, traitor. Now the chief priests and the entire council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. And then the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God to tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witness? See, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. They didn't know the Lord of glory. Now they heard, they mocked the Lord of glory. He does not know him. And heard, and the soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then they arrayed him in splendid clothing. He, uh, he sent him back to Pilate. Luke 23. The crowd, they didn't know him. They did not understand the cross and the Lord of glory. When the Lord of glory was accomplishing their salvation, they were blind by hatred and mocked Jesus. He saved others. He cannot save himself. That, right? That's what they were their words. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. They were mocking him. The story of crucifixion, this Via Dolorosa, clearly shows that the world in its wisdom and power did not understand the Lord of glory. Now, the lesson we can take is this. The wisdom of the world cannot penetrate into spiritual mysteries. The power of the world cannot obtain spiritual truth. Therefore, therefore... Do not boast of yourself. Boast of the merits of Christ crucified on the cross. Corinthians, do not boast of your origins or the teachers you follow. This is not how you got to God. This is not how you obtain all those riches and heavenly blessings from God. Let's look. And it's really interesting. Our, I, I, this time I was um, paying attention that... He brings the identity of Jesus in this verse as the Lord of glory. Did you see this? Verse 8 starts with these words. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they did not, they would not have crucified. And then you would expect, as you read Paul, right? You would expect what? The Lord Jesus Christ. This is how he always says. And uh, you would expect the phrase, but he doesn't use it. And then you look like, Why? And you see that he uses, and he continues his sentence in saying, Crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. No, he's saying, Crucify the Lord of glory. Picking very specific name for Jesus. Lord of glory. This is the quote. Uh, I just took one psalm, and the, I, I think it's in, in many other psalms. Let's, uh, let's listen to Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, and, and be lifted up ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. You know, Selah, meaning pose. Stop and just meditate about it. 
This is the identity of the one who is the mystery of God. He is Jehovah. He is the King. He is the Lord of glory. All those glories that you can just look. I was just thinking, I was just um, back up uh, and say, when I was thinking about it, so King of something. Well, we can say, He is a King, whatever, soccer. Uh, what does it mean? It means he's the best, right? Or you can say king of the country. He owns it. When he says king of glory, what does that mean? Well, everything that, that is glorious, right? The best is in him. So um, all those glories that you see of creator. Are saying his power and art are in Jesus. All those excellencies of wisdom are in Jesus. All the fullness of deity is in Jesus. All perfections of character that we can just think of is in, the, in this Jesus. All those highest and uh, superior highest excellencies of love and kindness. Um, supreme authority of the universe. The, um, he's the blessed savior of his people. And you remember uh, the... the uh, the image that Isaiah brings, he says, there was a temple, and the king, he was sitting on the throne. And his robe was just, just so splendid, it just filled all the temple, and then just go out and out, it just so full. It just, the whole temple of, the, of heaven can contain all the glory who God is. The temple can contain the bounty of his garments. The throne, his throne is heaven. Earth is just his footstool. Angels, they just dare not to look at the glory of his holiness. And everyone will just bow and, uh, at the glory of, of this person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who see him as the Lord of glory, they just cry out. Let's listen. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people to God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then, next chapter in, in Revelation says, of those who see him, who see his identity, they say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then... When the Spirit opened the identity of, of, of the Lord of glory, people said, they said this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember of those words? Or you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was Peter's confession. When the Spirit of God opened the identity of the Lord of glory. Now, the question remains, do you see Him in a such a way? Do you see Christ as the Lord of glory? Do you see glory in Jesus? When you look at the cross, do you understand this mystery? Do you glory in it? Do you rejoice? That, that's a question. That's a question that we have. Because if you do, it means that the Holy Spirit opened it to you. You know Christ. Next, what we see is that God's wisdom is wisdom in secret. That's true. But it's wisdom predestined, as Paul says, or decreed is to be. The wisdom of God is a mystery to a natural man, or just unbeliever. That is why it is a mystery, because the world cannot comprehend it in, a, in, in its own way and method. Paul says, what I, 
my eyes, my senses, right? Um, has not seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine. Meaning that the human eye and contemplation uh, will not ever penetrate into the mystery of God's wisdom. The human heart is incapable of thinking God's wisdom. God's wisdom is a mystery to the natural man. However, this wisdom, that's a mystery... The plan of salvation in suffering of the Son of God was ordained or decreed by God before the time begun. He says, but we impart a secret wisdom and wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. The salvation of man, the death of, of Christ, the crucifixion, the um, intercessory um, sacrifice were determined by God before, before the beginning of time. The creation of man, the paradise, the fall. Salvation was never a new idea for God after the fall. The cross was never plan, plan B. Our salvation through Calvary was always God's plan from the beginning. This is why He is God. He is God of history. Now, all this God planned for our glory. Because our glory is through the glory of Jesus Christ. Paul says this wisdom of God is purposed for our glory. Our glory is, Jesus, is in Jesus' glory. We are children of God through Jesus we inherit everything through Jesus. Romans says this. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we also glorified with Him. Next, what we see in our text is that knowledge of the spiritual things comes through the revelation of the Spirit of God. Verse 9 begins with this contrast, this juxtaposition. But, do you see this one? They don't understand this. But, in contrast to this, this powerless wisdom of this world in comprehending of spiritual truth, God has revealed these truths to us by the Holy Spirit. The third person of the God has is the cause of the spiritual knowledge, of our spiritual knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These things, verse 10, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even, even the depth of God. Only by the Holy Spirit we come to know the Messiah. Only by the Holy Spirit looking at the cross we see uh, the true meaning of this defining event in history. Only by the Holy Spirit we see the beauty of the Son of God. Only He opens our eyes to His beauty. Therefore, Give thanks to God for the mercy of this extraordinary gift Himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. Give thanks for saving you for, um, by His wisdom, not by your education, genes, origins, but by God's undeserving grace. That's why He's saying it's freely given to us by God. Well, unity is through God's wisdom. If we all come, so all of us on the same level, we come to know the mystery of God, Jesus Christ, in the same way, right? By the free uh, grace of God through the revelation of the Spirit, then we, all, we have nothing to be proud of. To excel, exalt one above the other and saying, I'm better, or I'm better if I follow this teacher. No, we are the creation of God's grace, so we are not proud but we give thanks to God. That's, that's his reasoning here. Such a perspective creates and builds unity. Now listen, please listen. We build unity, not on the basis of our achievements. And that's going to be a lesson not just now, because you're in youth, and that's for youth. It's going to be 
later for your family, for church, for all the whole life. That we build unity, not on the basis of my or yours achievement. We build unity on the basis of, the, of God's grace. Spiritual achievements are the work of grace that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And the last thing that I want to say is that this glorious salvation in Christ is revealed to us by the Spirit. Verse 9, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, and the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for, us, for those who love him. Well, I know that you probably um, heard these verses quoted to point out to our future immeasurable blessings in heaven, maybe. However, the context does not speak of heaven, right? The whole conversation is not about heaven. It's about wisdom. And then verse 10 clearly indicates that these things mentioned in verse 9 that God gave us, they do not speak of the future, but of the completed, perfect past. So God will not reveal them to us in the future, the things that he just spoke about, but has already revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. Therefore... These verses speak of the glory of God's grace, not just future. Yes, future is sure and imagine those immeasurable blessings. But what Paul is speaking right now is about God's grace in the life of a Christian. The spiritual blessing, blessing is given to us in Christ. What is it? It is justification by faith. We are set free from God's judgment, God's righteousness credited to us. God's favor rests on us. This is the adoption. Not only did God justify us, He further accepted us into His family and made us His children, giving us the privileges, the inheritance of the children. Not only that, but He just lives in us by His Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.